0: Welcome to the OA Light a Candle meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org, where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members, And do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Ray. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> yes, my name is Ray. I'm a compulsive overeater, bulimic, anorexic. Hi, Ray. Hi. I'm so glad you're all here, and I'm so glad I get to speak here because I was supposed to speak here a few weeks ago, and I had a little uh, mishap. There's a schedule problem, so I'm grateful to be here. Thank you so much. Um, Okay, so uh, this is what I've been told. Don't worry, I'm not going to talk the whole time. I'm going to open it up to questions. <laughs> do Because I was like, ah. Okay, so anyway, uh, sharing my experience, strength, and hope. Uh, I have over 30 years of abstinence in this program. And that is not of my own doing. The only thing I did was continually show up. And that is my abstinence. My abstinence is different from yours. I've heard in this program what your abstinence is can kill me. What my abstinence is can kill you. So we figure out what it is that's going to work for us. I wanted an abstinence that I could win at. When I have a sponsee, I say to them, what can you win at? What can you do that you can have a win with? Because my whole thing is about beating myself up for everything I've eaten, right? So if I can go, okay, I'm stopping that as much as I can. I had a friend early on in the program who said, my abstinence is never saying anything bad to myself or being mean to myself. And I was like, (laughs) <laughs> I can't do that. I can't win at that. So then, um, so what I decided to do was to say, um, okay, if I'm working my program, I'm abstinent. And that's how I have maintained abstinence for over 30 years because I just keep coming back and I share and I, I'll tell you what my day looks like. But what it was like, um, okay, so I grew up in a family uh in these i i was born in 62 and so in um in my family uh, i grew up in the suburbs and um kids weren't fat in those days really i mean there just weren't a lot of fat kids we were outside all the time we were there weren't big portions i was one of the heavier kids and so that became a real problem and um so when i was 9 my mother took me to weight watchers and i started dieting at 9 And, um, and it was, I just, there was always something wrong with me that had to be fixed, and it was my fault, and if I could just stay on the diet a little longer, I'd be okay. So, um, I continued to diet. I got into this program when I was 26. I dieted for 17 years, off and on, going up and down 30 pounds. That was my thing, so, uh, and uh, you can hear this podcast a hundred times over, I've said it a million times, so if you missed something, you can just tune in to where there's Ray on the podcast, so anyway, um, so what happened was, I, uh, I would try these diets, and they would work, and it'd be great, and I'd get a lot of attention, and my parents would like me a little better, and, uh, you know, all of that, and then slowly the food would creep back in, because I thought I had it figured out, I was okay. Now I could eat again. Or it would start with a little bit, and then little by little, you, you, know, you know the drill. Okay, so this is what happened. So I kept trying, and every few years I would go on these really big weight loss things, and I'd go to doctors, and I did the diet shots and pills and all that, and I... Um, I remember when I went to visit uh, colleges, I was very thin at the time, and I fainted. We were in Filings Basement in Boston, the the original Filings Basement, and I fell right down the stairs. I fainted, and I thought, this is the coolest thing ever because everybody was worried. You know, everybody all of a sudden was worried about how thin I was getting, whereas before it was always about how fat I was getting. Now they were like, "Oh shit!" Ooh, sorry. I okay. Sorry for those who heard that. I'm sorry. Um, okay, so um, sugar. So um, uh, so anyway, um, yeah. So I thought that was really exciting and glamorous and wasn't that fabulous and cool? And then um, and then I went to college and. I gained the weight and, and felt like a failure, and all I could think about was weight, 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 weight. And um, I had a boyfriend, and, um, and I, was, I was doing what I enjoyed doing in college, and I didn't really go to classes very much, and I still managed to graduate really well, all that kind of stuff. Like, I, I was very high-functioning as an addict. And at the time, I was doing a lot of drugs, a lot of speed, like a lot of cocaine, all of it, you know, just to, it wasn't about getting high. It was about not eating. Like, if I did those drugs, I didn't want to eat. So, great. Um, So, that went on for a really long time. And then I I moved to New York City, and um, I was waiting tables, and I was getting really thin again. I had gone up. I was getting down. But at this point, I was 26, and I... The dieting wasn't working the way it used to. These things work. These tools, our tools that we grow up with, they work until they stop. So I believe I used the food as a kid because I was terrified of life. My father was a rager. Um, I was never hit. I was never beaten. But I was terrified all the time. And the food made me feel safe. For whatever reason, I could sneak it. I could bring it in my bed, and I felt safe. Um, and, uh, and then it, I, I, the dieting stopped working. That really freaked me out. When I started, when I was, I was eating like five or 600 calories a day, certainly no more than that, and exercising two or three hours a day, and walking all over Manhattan and doing all that stuff, I couldn't lose weight, and I started to flip out, and so I started to cut more and more and more. And I was at a professional dieting place at the time. And they're like, oh, you're plateauing. And I'm like, don't say that. I mean, it was just the worst thing in the world, you know. Like, it's not going to move an ounce. And um, so I would come into my job, my waitress job, and, and my, and my um, manager. She said to me, you know, there are these meetings that if you go to them, they help you stay on your diet. And I was like, oh, okay. Sounds like a good idea to me. Because she knew that's all I could hear. It was the only thing I could hear. And so, of course, I go to my first meeting, and I'm like, they're not talking about dieting. What was she talking about? You know, and then, um, but what happened was, uh, it was a newcomer meeting. When I heard this woman, she was talking my language. And I never heard anybody speak my language. I had a binge buddy. I had dieting buddies in my parents, but I didn't know that it was a disease, I just thought it was like a thing we had to do, and so um, I came into this meeting, and this woman was like, oh, yeah, 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 and I had this, and I don't do this anymore, and I don't hate myself anymore, and I was like, I don't, I don't understand what you just said, and she told me to keep coming back, and so I did. I went to a meeting every single day because I knew that I was finally home and nobody was making me feel like crap anymore about my body or the fact that I couldn't hold on to weight or I couldn't lose weight or I could, whatever it was, whatever it had to do. I didn't, and I didn't know how to eat because all I'd known was dieting. So I would call people and I'd be like, "Um, so I'm going to have a bath of popcorn tonight. What do you think? And they'd be like, well, yeah, you can do that. You know, and I'd be like, okay, good. And they're like, is there something else maybe that might be better for you? And I was like, no, and then and then I'd hang up, and then I'd look around and I'd be like, "Well, maybe, you know, and that's kind of how it started, was just somebody saying to me, "Maybe you could do it a different way. Maybe there's another way to look at this." And that really was the big gift was somebody saying to me, "Bless you, the way you've been doing this all along is no longer working. Try it our way, maybe it'll work for you." And because I heard people who had been there before me. We're doing so much better. I was like, all right, I'll try it. Work for you, maybe it'll work for me, because I'm not so damaged that I think I'm so unique that I won't be helped. I'm, thank God I'm not there. Okay, like because I know a lot of people come in. They're like, I'm so damaged, I can't be helped. And for those people, you can be. And there, nobody, nobody cannot be helped by these programs. But it's not for everybody, and that I realized it's not for everybody. Um, it's for me. I've been here. And okay, so this is what happened. So I came into program. And I decided I was going to do 12 steps in 12 weeks and get out. So, because um, that made sense to me, because I'm a student, and even though I didn't go to classes, but I did manage to graduate pretty high at a good school. So, I can do shit, you know. Oh, oh my God, I can do things. Um, so, anyway, um, so I found, um, I found a firefighter, female in New York City in the 80s, so you can imagine what that, what that person was like, because there were two female firefighters in the whole city of New York in the 80s. I had one of them for my sponsor, so she was hard core. And I said to her, I'm doing 12 steps in 12 weeks, and I'm done. And she was like, all right, let's do it. And so we did. I did. I did 12 steps in 12 weeks, you know, and I was like, great. But by that point, I was in, like, you know, it's not a cult, but I was <laughs> just saying, like, I was like, I'm in. But the good news was there were no gurus, there were no leaders, there were, like, none of the stuff, I, just so you know, I did join a cult to lose weight, okay, um, before I got into programs. So this was not a cult. Like, I was very clear on that. It wasn't a cult because I'd been in one, and I knew what that, is, what that <laughs> entails. So I knew it wasn't that. And what I liked was that whole, like, take what you like and leave the rest. Because, honestly, all right, so these are things, other than all the weight crap stuff that we've done all our lives, these are, these are my particular fun things, um, aside from, like, fainting down the stairs and thinking, that's really cool. Um, I took a lot of laxatives. Um, and I, I did some damage to my system as a result of that. Um, I, uh, I used to pray to be homeless because homeless people were thin. Um, it's funny, but honestly, like, I was like, they look good. Like, they look better than I do. They're ripped, you know? And, (laughs) seriously. And I also, I prayed for cancer because cancer patients were thin. And, like, this is, this is my life. You know, I came in here very suicidal. And um, I was engaged at the time to the man I'm still with. 38 years later, we met our first day of freshman year in college. We're still together. Um, and uh, it was, um, I was going to kill myself. And he didn't know anything about it. He had proposed to me, came in the program thinking, how am I going to get into my dress? And I was just gonna be. I I, I was giving. I was giving myself four years. So dead at thirty. And I, I was speaking to somebody about how I love getting older because I was supposed to be dead at thirty. So I just celebrated my fifty seventh birthday. And I'm like, I got twenty seven years. That's pretty good. So you know, for somebody with a death sentence, that's a pretty good uh, thing. So um, so I think about that and. Um, So that's another thing about this disease. I take it extremely seriously. I've had friends die in this program. My son almost died in this program from this disease. That brought me to another program. If people are having issues, please talk to me afterwards because that's that's a whole other thing. Um, But I have a great respect for this disease. And I'm one of the luckier ones because even though I had suicidal ideation, my disease never took me there. Like, his body shut down, you know. Thank God I didn't have that. Thank God I was never 600 pounds to the point where I can't get out of my house, you know. So I've been very lucky to be spared the real horrible stuff. i got a lot of stuff going on within my body as a result of this disease. But I was able to get pregnant. I was able to have two children in this program. Um... One of them 24, one of them is 20. The 20-year-old is having surgery on uh, Friday, <laughs> and I'm fine. I'm fine because I turned it over to God. I just turned it. I turn everything over to God every single day, every minute of the day. Yesterday, I don't wake up in anxiety anymore. I just don't. Um, and yesterday, I woke up in anxiety because I had to figure out, are we using her tissue, a cadaver's tissue, whatever, are you, blah, 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 blah. She's 20 years old. So I finally said to her, I think you need to talk to the doctor because I, I can't be the go-between, and I can't figure this out. And that morning I prayed to God. I said, you take this. I can't figure this out. And I know to do that because I've been in this program for so long. So no matter what it is, I can go to God with it. And literally three hours later, we were in the car. She was talking to her doctor, and he was telling her the recommendation, and she's like, that's what I want to do. End of story. I didn't have to do anything. That's how my life works in this program. If I give it to God, I don't have to do anything. I don't... I broke my knee last year. I was out for seven months. Like, I couldn't do anything. And you would have, like... I remember, like, I showed up at my gym later on, and they're like, I would have gained 100 pounds, you know? And I was like, yeah, I don't have to do that anymore. Like, that's not what I do. My body... Does what it needs to do because I've been around so long that I just say to God, whatever you want me to be today, I'm willing to be. I gained, I gained weight in this program when I came in. I was a size four. For me, that's a really tiny size. I was, you know, not that much, not much weight difference, probably 10 or 15 pounds, but it, I looked thick. And I've been as high as a 12, which isn't that big, but for me, going from a four to a 12 was terrifying. And I just was like, you know what, God? Whatever you need, I'm good. I'm good. I I would rather be sane than deal with this crazy body and this crazy mind that I can no longer control. I can't do it anymore. I'm giving up. And that's when things started to change. And I I have no control over my body. I wear the same clothes I've been wearing for years now. Nothing really changes. And I eat what I want to eat when I want to eat it. That's my abstinence. Now, I have a sponsor who has no flour, no sugar, no alcohol, and she doesn't care. She doesn't care. Because we're working a spiritual program. We're not working a food program. This is the food program, but it's a spiritual program, right? So in order to keep my spirituality going, that's the only thing I'm worried about. Because if I keep my spiritual, and I know for newcomers and people who are struggling, this sounds crazy, and it is. It's completely insane. Like I said to my husband, I don't talk about my weight with him at all anymore. But, like, yesterday I was like, isn't it kind of weird that, like, I'm thin now? And he just looked at me like, what the hell are you even talking about, you know? And I was like, I mean, like, I don't don't freak out about food and and we have food in the house. And he's like yeah, you need to kind of calm down, you know, because he's, like, so used to it. And I'm, like, still freaking out about it. Like, every day I'm still freaking out about the fact that my brain, the first thing in the morning, doesn't go, what am I going to eat and how am I going to get rid of it? It's not how I wake up. I wake up singing to my dog and my cat. Like, I realize, oh, I sing in the morning? Like, I just realized that all of a sudden? And, you know, and I sleep because I started, I had insomnia for 20 years, and I started meditating. When I, when I would wake up, I'd be like, all right, I'll meditate. I'm going to be here for three hours, you know, from two to five. Great. I will meditate from two to five. And that's how I started meditating. So what it looks like now, um, I'm still married to that guy. Like I said, we're 38 years since our first date. And um got these two kids. And, uh, and I, um, okay, so my morning, I wake up. I was doing a uh, half-an-hour meditation every morning, and I didn't do that for a really long time. This is only in the last, I want to say, five, last five to ten years that I've been in program. I coasted for a long time. I don't suggest it. I really don't. Because I was fine. I was, like, at a weight I was cool with. I, you know, I had my friends. I went to my meetings, blah, blah, blah. my sponsor. But I really wasn't working the way I work now. So now what it looks like, I wake up. And like I said, I was doing this half hour, now I'm doing um, some writing in the morning. I'm doing three pages of writing, and so I've been doing that and um, and I pray, I say the first three pr- the first three steps every morning, I say, "I am powerless over everything, everything. If I think I can control anything <laughs> It's insane. I can't even control my willingness of whether I want to work the program, so I have to pray for willingness, right? Because before, like it said, um, you know, the only, our only, um, what is it, uh, 12 steps, uh, uh, our only, whatever, our only, the only thing we need is the desire to stop eating compulsively. I don't want to stop eating compulsively. Sure. I don't even have that desire. I just want it to be thin. Like, forget the compulsively. I just want to be thin. And so now... I have the desire to stop eating compulsively, which is mind-blowing. Like, I go out. um, I can eat at home. I can go out. I had a friend in program who said, I fear no restaurant, no dressing room, no country. And I was like, I want that. And now I do. I can go into a dressing room. I can go into any restaurant in any country in the world. And I can find something to eat. And I don't have to bring food with me. I used to travel with with, um, a suitcase full of food. Because I didn't know if they would have my food. And how would I, you know, what would I do if they didn't have my food? Forget it. So, I mean, like, I remember camping with a lot of food, you know, because, God forbid, they didn't have what I needed. And now I'm just like, all right, whatever. I don't care. I don't eat red meat, and I don't eat pork. Those are the only two things I don't eat. For no reason other than they just don't sit well in my body. That's the only reason. I was macrobiotic. I was vegetarian. Like, anything to control my food. And there's nothing wrong with being any of those things if it's for the right reason. Mine was all about control, so I had to throw that stuff out. And I just, okay, so, all right, so I do, I do the prayer and meditation. And then I, um, throughout the day, if I'm at a stop sign, if I can remember, or a red light when I'm getting angry in traffic, I just go, hey, God, how you doing? You know, and, like, throw that up. I remember when I first came in, I couldn't stop thinking about food and diet. That was really hard. Like, what am I going to think about if I'm not thinking about dieting? What am I going to think about if I'm not thinking about food? What do I do? What do people think about? I have no clue. None. That's all I could think about. So, I mean, thank God there wasn't no room for politics in there, but there was no, there was nothing. There was nothing. <laughs> it was just like, ugh. So what I started to do is I started writing in um, in journals over and over. Um, serenity prayer, over, over, or like, thousands of times, thousands of times, serenity prayer, just to stop my brain from thinking those thoughts. So, and when I would have that thought, I'd be like, serenity prayer, serenity prayer, as much as I could. And it broke up that thinking a little bit, it put a little pause between, what am I going to eat, and just, I don't know, I don't know. And that was really helpful to have some kind of pause. Because that pause is, you know, today, like, I'm not going to lie, I had a little handful of chocolate today because I can, but I knew I was kind of using a little bit. But it's like, okay, whatever. I don't, I don't beat myself about that because I'm allowed to eat whatever I want whenever I want. Sometimes I make better choices than others. I didn't eat, like, an entire bag of chips, you know. Like, I just had a little handfuls cool. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. As, as my friend says to me, it's just food. Like, I talked to her and I called her a few years ago. I was in the store, and they didn't have my fat free dressing. And, you know, and I was like, what am I going to do? And she said, "Wait a minute." She's like, she said, "You eat you eat fat-free food," and I'm like, "Yes. Why would I add the calories if I didn't have to?" And she's like, "Sweetie, you know what they do to those foods? Like they're not real food. They have to do stuff to them." And I was like, "What do you mean?" And so she said, "Just eat the food with the fat. Just eat the fat." And I was like, "I can't." And she said, "Just eat the fat." And I was like, oh, "Okay." And nothing changed. And now, like, I mean, I, I, mean, I used to go into Starbucks. You know, it's one guy I'll never forget. Like, I ordered a decaf, non-fat cappuccino, and he just looked at me and he goes, "That's a what? The what's the point?" And I was like, "I don't know," you know. And and now I get, and that's, again, this is not for everybody. This is just for me because I come from starvation and deprivation. And so I can't deprive myself of anything because that's old behavior. When, some, when my head of sponsors say to me, you have to write down your food, I was like, uh, nope, nope. I've been doing that since I was nine years old. I am no longer doing that. I'm throwing out every book that has anything with a list of food or calories in it. I will not do it any longer. Now, for some people, it helps because then they see what they're eating, right? I have sponsors. I don't look at their food. But they're like, can I send you my food? I'm like, sure. Knock yourself out. I'm not going to read it. You know? (laughs) Because I'll start comparing it. I'll be like, oh, no, she's eating less than, wait, wait. Because I start comparing myself to other people's food. So it's a trigger for me. So I'm not going to do it. But they want to send it to me, I'm good with that. And they know I'm not going to read it. And they don't really care. You know? It's like my sponsor. She doesn't care if I eat a handful of chocolate chips. She could care less. She doesn't care. How am I working my spiritual program? How are you today? What's your mood like? How's your mood been like for the last week? You snapping at people? Those are, th- that's how I check in with myself. And so, thank you. And so, for me, it's all about, like, what do I do now? I live in the solution. I don't live in the problem any longer. Because I'm not interested in the problem any longer. The problem is my story. I don't care about my story. I'm so far removed from my story. I was 26. That's a long time ago for me. I don't care about my story. The only reason I care about it is to give somebody hope who's, who's struggling right now that you can get past that story and have a life beyond your wildest dreams where you can stay in a relationship for a really long time, where you can be a parent to, to a kid who's really struggling and be okay, and be okay. Mm-hmm. And, like, all the stuff that goes on in, in our lives, all of it, to be able to have... A, tools like these tools are not just for me with the food these tools help me deal with everything in my life so that i am never alone i can call anybody in this room i've never met you before i can pick up the phone and call you chances are we have a reason to connect so i build a community here i have a great community of friends from these programs who i call all day long all day yesterday i called people all day long i was like i am really stressed out about my daughter And then it was, it was over. It was over. By one o'clock, the whole thing was over. Okay. Thanks, God. I say thanks, God, a lot. I acknowledge that a lot. Because I, I look for things, ways in which God is working for me in my life, because God is working for me, not to me. And that was like a whole mind-blowing experience for me. So I'm just saying, if you're struggling, if you're new, if you're, if you don't know what's going on, like, the gifts in this program are in, Sane. It's magic. That's the only way I can describe it. It is magic. Because if somebody had told me when I first walked in here that, first of all, I'd be alive at 57, still be married to somebody, have, be in a size that, like, I'm cool with and that I don't need to change in any way and I'm great with getting older, like, I, I'd be like, that. Nah, nah. no. That's my life. So I'm really grateful. I'm grateful that you listen to me and keep coming back. <laughs> okay so we're going to do 10 minutes for questions anybody have any questions okay so that's thank you that's so the question was what's my relationship with exercise today and what's wonderful that's a great question thank you when I when I used to go to the gym it was like you know you wouldn't have to be here if you weren't so fat not to I mean not there were tons of thin people there you know, like, what were they doing there? But, like, I was the one who was punishing myself. So I, I, I would just work and work and work. And then one day I was on the treadmill. I was 40. And um, I was looking across, and there was, a, there, was a, there was a open gym area where you can look through these windows. And they were dancing. And I thought, I'm getting off the treadmill, and I'm going to learn how to dance. Aww. And I dance now. 17 years later, like, people, people actually think I'm a dancer, which is hilarious, because I used to, like, break my bones all the time, I, well, I did break my bone last year, but that's a whole other <laughs> issue, but, um, but I mean, like, I was, I was a very clumsy, clutchy kid, because I never knew what size I was, so I was always bumping into things, and I didn't know where I was in space, and so now, I dance, I dance two days a week, I can't do three yet, because my knee won't support it yet, but. It's great. I love it. I won't do anything that doesn't give me joy any longer for exercise. If it doesn't cause me joy, I'm not doing it. Absolutely not. I'll walk. I'll do anything. I'll hike, but I'll never get on a treadmill again. But I, I, for those of you, I appreciate that you do it. I had to do the bike for my knee. I was like, I'm never getting on a bike again. But I did. <laughs> I had to. So, you know, famous last word. Does that answer your question? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Anybody else? Hi. Um, I was wondering if you had a conception of a higher power before you came into the program and then how it developed into the relationship you have today. Thanks. Um, that's a great question. So my, my relationship with my higher power, it changes all the time. When I first came in, when I was a kid, I thought I had a guardian angel. I was very sure of this. Um, and and then I, I felt the guardian angel was lost. And at that first meeting, they were answering questions, and I said to her, I used to have a guardian angel, and it's gone. And she said, who moved? And I just thought, okay, I can work with that. And so I, that's when I started creating, like, I had to work for that relationship. And that's what I started to do. And my, my higher power has changed sexes. It's now goddess. It's been goddess for a while now. Um, it changes all the time. Just like my, my food, the way I eat, changes all the time. It depends on what I needed at the time, but right now it's I'm in like an amniotic sac. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm literally floating, and she just carries me, and everything's taken care of in that amniotic sac. I don't have to do anything, and that's been my conception for the last month or so. So it changes all the time. Is that helpful? Okay. All right. Thank you for letting me speak. <laughs>